Welcome to Calvary Chapel of Columbia, where we're unpacking God's truths one verse at a time. And now here's Pastor Tim with today's message. If you have a Bible, turn with me to Matthew chapter 26 this morning. Matthew chapter 26. Uh, If you're a guest with us, we've been uh, on a journey following Jesus chronologically for the last couple years. And we're, we've entitled it the Follow Me series, and uh, we find ourselves here today in Matthew 26, but don't, no, no fear, because, you know, Matthew, you know, has 28 verses, but we're going backwards, so there's just some chronological stuff happening here that we're going to deal with today, then we're going backwards, we got another year at least in this series, so, um, and as you'll see this morning, it's kind of interesting how, uh, the, when you look at the time period in which Jesus, uh, the Gospels were written, you find that most of it was in the last seven days of Jesus' life. And so most of the Gospels uh, contained, uh, you know, the, the, all of the information that's contained there, the accounts that happened, a lot of it happened in the last seven days of Jesus' life. So um, again, if you're a guest with us, we want to welcome you. We have a uh, welcome packet our, at our um, welcome center. So we, you would stop by there and make sure you grab one of those. It gives you some information about us. Also want to join everybody on our live stream and uh, anybody who's joining in with us on our podcast or sometime later. Uh, stand with me if you would, please. I want to read the fir- Matthew chapter 26. We're going to look at verses 6 through 13 this morning. Verses 6 through 13. You know this account, I'm sure. Here's what it says. Now, when Jesus was at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper... A woman came up to him with an alabaster flask, a very expensive ointment, and she poured it on his head as he uh, reclined at table. And when the disciples saw it, they were indignant, saying, Why this waste? For this could have been sold for a large sum and given to the poor. But Jesus, aware of this, said to them, Why do you trouble the woman? For she has done a beautiful thing to me. For you always have the poor with you, but you will not always have me. In pouring this ointment on my body, she has done it to prepare me for burial. Truly, I say to you, whenever this gospel is proclaimed in the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you that it's sharper than any two-edged sword. It's able to discern our hearts. It's able to divide the things that ought not be in our lives and the things that ought to be. Lord, we pray right now by your Spirit that you would speak directly to our hearts and that we would have not only ears to hear you, Lord, but we'd have a willingness to obey what it is that you would say to us. God, we don't want to just come in here out of duty. We will want to come because we want to, we do want to give you the adoration and praise that you deserve, Lord, but we want to be changed. We want to be transformed. We want to be like Jesus. And so we pray this morning, God, that as we sit at your feet, that you just come and do the work of redemption for some and sanctification for others, Lord, but that we would all become like Jesus this morning. Lord, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for what you're going to do this morning. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. Now, how many of you guys like the smell of barbecue? Anybody like the smell of barbecue, man? You know, there is nothing like uh, some barbecue 
you know, on the grill, the meat, you know, the smell of the meat. I mean, if you live at the Tate's house, you have that like every day. There's smoke coming. Out. I think there's a there's a like a an official smoke stack at his house, and they smoke beet, meat all the time. But uh, yesterday, well, I'm a vegetarian, but uh, you know, but yesterday I was I do grill meat at my house. My family isn't necessarily, but I am. But uh, uh, I was grilling up some chicken at the bar the uh, servants barbecue yesterday. Man, I nearly had a poultry relapse. It was really I had to contain myself, but I did. Um, but, but if you missed that, by the way, we want to thank you for your service to the Lord. We want to thank you for serving our body. And, you know, it is truly a blessing to be able to serve. But, you know, again, oftentimes, as I said, I think last week, it's a thankless job usually. You know, the people cleaning the toilets and stuff don't generally get, the, you know, the pat on the back to say thank you. We want to thank you for that. It truly is an honor. And as John said, if you don't serve somewhere in here, you have an opportunity to. You know, there's all kinds of different things that, um, that God has, you know, in, in this place. And, some, and it may be something new that God's putting on your heart. So just because it's not something you see, but God's putting a burden on your heart to do something within the fellowship, you need to bring that to us and, and we'll um, pray with you about that to see what it is that God wants to do. Because we're a spirit-led movement. We want God's Holy Spirit to direct us in everything that we do. We don't want to just have programs to have programs. We want actually there to be a spirit-led, uh, you know, portion behind it of why we're doing what we're doing. Not just because we have children's ministry, just because to have it. But there's a spirit-led part of that, the reason why we have it. And so, you know, if, if God's putting something on your heart, then be obedient and, and grab somebody that has a servant tag or go to the Welcome Center and say, hey, I'd like to talk to somebody about serving in the body somewhere, and they will direct you from there, and we will pray with you about that. But if, you, if you know, God has called us all to the cleaning ministry. You know that? Actually, you know, it's the, you know, cleanliness is next to godliness. That's not in the Bible, by the way. But uh, I know parents like to use that on their kids a lot. You know, well, the Bible says it. Well, Pastor Tim said it on Sunday. You know, cleanliness is next to godliness. It's not in the Bible. But... You know, it does work sometimes, so whatever. But God calls us all to do something, is my point. So, and here's the deal. When you do that, you're serving not only God, but you're serving the body of Christ. So, you know, that's awesome. So, if you're not doing that, get involved somehow. Again, like John said, the 24th, you have an opportunity to come out. There's no big commitment to that. You just come out and, uh, you know, commit whatever you can. Lay it, some sacrifice to the Lord and come help us keep our facilities clean and Stuff. If you call this home, you should do that. So, um, but again, we want to thank you, any of the servants that serve. We're so thankful for you, and uh, um, we we always need more servants. So, you know, be praying about that. But the aroma of barbecue is heavenly. Literally, it is. Did you know that God loves the smell of barbecue? He, he it says it in the Bible. He loves the smell of. Fresh meat cooking on open flame. Look at Leviticus chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. And Aaron's sons, the priests, shall arrange the pieces, speaking of a, a sacrificed bull here, the head and the fat on the wood that is on the fire of the altar, but its entrails and its legs he shall wash with water, and the priest shall burn all of it on the altar as a burnt offering, a food offering, with a, a pleasing aroma to the Lord. The Lord loves some barbecue, man. He just loves the way that it smells. But the reason he loves 
the way that it smells is because of what it represents. What that represents is sacrifice. God loves the smell of sacrifice. He is pleased with the smell of sacrifice because the, the aroma that he is smelling is what's called substitutionary atonement. Uh, you know, when we're talking about sacrifice at the altar, when we're talking about a blood of bulls and goats, or we're talking about the greatest sacrifice that has ever been given to the world, Jesus Christ, the aroma that comes from the sacrifice is not just pleasing God, but it appeases God. There is peace that comes with God through that sacrifice. Of course, we know that the blood of bulls and goats cannot take away the sins of the world, but there was one that could, Jesus Christ, and he did come, and he did take away the sin of the world. In fact, 1 John 2, 2 says this, he is the propitiation for our sins, and not only for ours only, but not only for ours, but I keep putting only in there, but and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Jesus Christ didn't die for some elite class of people. He died for the world. His blood, he was the propitiation. He became the satisfaction. He became the appeasement for us. And it pleased God. Isaiah 53 says it pleased him to bruise him. Why? Because of substitutionary atonement. Because the blood of Christ cleanses us from our sin. God's pleased with the sacrifice of his son. Because without Jesus, we all know we couldn't have a relationship with the Father today. God is also pleased with another kind of sacrifice. It's an aroma to him. It's the sacrifice that his followers make as they worship him where we lay down something, whatever it might be, to, to honor Him, to worship Him. That pleases the Lord. He loves it when His children honor Him with some sort of sacrifice. When we come and we bring the sacrifice of praise, that honors the Lord and He's pleased with it. When you lay down some, you know, you know, something that He's given you, some talent, some time, whatever it is, and you sacrifice that when you could be doing something else, but you do something for the Lord, He's pleased with that. It's honoring to Him. It's a sacrifice to Him. When you do something by faith, that's a sacrifice to the Lord. And He loves the smell of it. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. Uh, the title of my message is The Fragrance of Sacrifice. The Fragrance of Sacrifice. And we know that there is a fragrance that comes with it. And the Lord is pleased with it. Turn to your neighbor and say, you smell good today. Yeah. You must have been a sacrifice. Turn to your other neighbor and say, man, you need to sacrifice today because you don't smell so good. No, 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 don't say that. Uh, don't say that. All right. We're, I'm going to look at four things from our text this morning as it relates to the fragrance of sacrifice. The first thing is the fragrance of sacrifice dispels the fragrance of sin. The fragrance of sacrifice dispels the fragrance of sin. Look at verse 6 there. Now, when Jesus was at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper. If you were with us last week, we were just in Jericho. Jesus had just given, given the parable of the Minas, where he was talking about the servants of the king and how they've been entrusted with a mina each. Every 
10 servants, they all got the same thing. They got one mina. That mina represents the word of God. Yes, the gospel, but the entire counsel of God. And, and the 10 servants there, there were some that were faithful, some that weren't. They represent God's servants collectively, all of us. Uh, the point of, the, uh, the, of what Jesus was saying there was that you've been entrusted with a mina, with the word of God as a Christian. God has given you his word. And it was blood-bought, by the way. It was preserved over thousands of years so that we could have it in our laps today. And God has entrusted it with you. Not to put any pressure on you. But, here's the deal. When Jesus comes back, he wants to see a return with the mina that he's given you. He wants to see some gains, something that you've done with it. Uh, you know, he, you don't want to be unfaithful with the, the, the mina that he's entrusted you with, like some were in that parable where they buried it or where they put it in a napkin and they didn't do anything with it. You want to be faithful with the mina. And so Jesus was speaking to them about that. And, and then he moves from Jericho. Now he is in Bethany. And, and we see that time is very short for him. I mean, we're talking about, we're moving from a series where it was just maybe, um, you know, before he came into Jericho, we were talking a couple months from the cross. Jericho, we're talking like a, a couple weeks from the cross. Today, this morning, we're talking six days until Jesus is arrested. The seventh day, he'll be crucified. We are very, very close to Jesus going to the cross. Time is short. John's uh, gospel of this account records in the 12th chapter, in the first verse, it says that it was just six days before the Passover. Uh, the triumphal entry literally was going to happen the next day. Like Jesus knew, okay, this, I'm going to ride into Jerusalem and they're going to lay down palm branches and they're going to say, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. Because the king is coming. Remember, the thought process of everyone there was not that the Savior of the world would go to lay his life down in Jerusalem, but he would be coming to set up his kingdom. And so that kind of puts the triumphal entry in a different kind of form. You know, they did it and it was prophetic and it played the role, and yet the heart was saying something different than really what God was saying. That can happen. But do you know God can still use it? And it's amazing how he can do that. But just a day from today, he'll be riding into Jerusalem, the triumphal entry. Just four days later, Jesus is, and his disciples are going to eat the Last Supper. And that evening, he's going to be arrested. Then the next day, Friday, Jesus will be crucified. It would be the morning of the Sabbath that Jesus, what a great way to spend the Sabbath, huh? Crucifying the Son of God. Hey, let's go crucify uh, someone that is sinless, that is perfect, that's not done anything, but we're just upset with his, him taking our glory. And we don't like him, and so we're going to crucify him, and then we're going to observe the Sabbath as if we're holy. But that's, what, that's the problem with religion. Is when you're living like that, oftentimes you don't spend enough time to look at your heart, to see the motives of your heart, that God can't really reach people when they're not willing to see what it is that he's trying to reveal. And so many times God tried to reveal to the Pharisees what they were doing, and they weren't listening. They weren't willing to hear. And then Jesus' body will be laid in a borrowed tomb, but on the third day, everything changes, we know. Jesus Christ raises from the dead. 
And then, so that we're at the sixth day here. Like I said before, the Gospels, 50% of the book of John is written in, these, in the last seven days. It's 40% of the book of Mark, 33% of the book of Matthew, and 25% of the book of Luke cover, cover the last seven days of Jesus' life. I just found that interesting as we're moving through this chronologically. But, but here we find it's just six days before the Passover. Notice where he is. He's, at, he's in Bethany, and he is at the house of Simon the leper. Now, we don't know anything about this guy, really, except for he's defined by his past. That's what we see in the text. He's at Simon the leper's house. Simon was a leper. He was a leper at some point. I don't think he's a leper now because if you know anything about uh, leprosy in the Mosaic law, it would be unlawful for you to be, that for them to even live in a community of people. Uh, Leviticus chapter 13, verse 46 says that a leper shall live alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. Uh, lepers would be identified by wearing torn clothes. Their hair would be let loose. They, and whenever they would come near to people, they would have to proclaim, unclean, unclean, as they cover their mouth that, so that the spray of their uh, you know, spit wouldn't get on people and spread that, that disease. It's a sad state to be a leper. It's a state that Simon knows all too well. He's been there. He's done that. And yet it, we find him at hosting a dinner party at his house. And we see that there's, there's many, many folks there. There's Lazarus, who Jesus raised from the dead. There's his sisters, Mary and Martha, are there. The disciples, they're there. There's many people there. So there's no way that these people would have been hanging out at the house of a leper. We can only conclude that this man had been healed by Jesus. At some point in time, maybe he was the one of the ten that came back. We don't know where he fits in here, but at some point in time, he must have been healed from his leprosy. He's no longer defined from his past, is he? He really ought to be called Simon the Healed, not Simon the Leper. The fragrant, we find here that the Son of God had redeemed him from his disease. For you see, the fragrance of sacrifice, particularly the sacrifice of Christ, is able to dispel the fragrance of sin, disease, leprosy, all a result of sin. It's able to dispel it, to remove it. Listen, there was a room full of people at that dinner party that could identify with Simon. They all could identify with that because they were all there. They were all sinners. They all needed a sacrifice, and we know the sacrifice is Jesus Christ. He had come, and his aroma is pleasing to the Father. His sacrifice is so powerful that he can take the unclean and make them totally clean. He can do that for you this morning. He can remove sin from your life. He can set you free from whatever it is that you're, bond you're in bondage to. The Son of God has the power to do that, and he wants to do that. First John 1, 6 through 7 says, If we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the, listen, the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. It's the blood of Jesus, the sacrifice that was made for us. We're cleansed by the blood of Jesus. And the Bible would go on to tell us that we're justified then. 
Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 2. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. This concept of justification means that by faith in Christ, we are declared righteous. It's just as if you had never sinned. Now, some of you have heard that over and over again. You're like, yeah, yeah, we got that. Let's, you know, can we get to something else? Really? Are you kidding me? Do you believe that? That is incredible that the Son of God can, the power of the blood of Christ can take your sin and remove it completely and justify you so that when the Father sees you, He sees His Son. Now, that is awesome. That is incredible. And that's not, that is not milk, folks. That is meat. That's potatoes and meat. It doesn't get any deeper than that, that Jesus Christ can justify you, that He can remove your sin. The fragrance of sacrifice dispels the fragrance of sin. It's incredible. We're no longer slaves. We're no longer bound by sin if we're in Christ this morning. So the Bible says that we can, we can walk freely. We can take the shackles off. We can walk out of the prison because the door's been opened for us. So if we find ourselves there today, we need but only come to Christ this morning and ask Him to set us free. His blood is powerful enough to do that. Now what's interesting about this fragrance of sacrifice here that can dispel sin is, is that once you partake of that sacrifice, you become the fragrance of it. That's awesome. Here's the deal. First, Second Corinthians chapter 2, verses 14 through 17. But thanks be to God, who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession, and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of Him everywhere. For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To the one, a fragrance from death to death. To the other, a fragrance from life to life. Who is sufficient for these things? For we are not, like so many peddlers of God's word, but as a men of sincerity, as commissioned by God, in the sight of God, we speak in Christ. You and I, as believers, are the fragrance of Christ to God, it says. Not only do we... Do we spread the fragrance of Christ in the world as we go into the world? But we're the fragrance of Christ to God. Why? Substitutionary atonement. Because when Christ died for you, he, he took your place. And so now, when, again, when the Father sees you, He sees His Son. When the Father smells you, He smells His Son. And He's pleased with that fragrance. So this morning, if you're here today and you're just... And you're, and you're feeling like, Lord, how could you be pleased with me? I've done so much. And you're beating yourself up over the past. And you've been clothed in Christ, and yet you're not experiencing the power of that clothing. And you're allowing your past to define you. The Lord wants to tell you this morning, you're the fragrance of Christ to God. He loves you. You have His favor. You have Christ's fragrance. And the Lord loves that. The fragrance of Christ is enough to dispel, to move, to completely take away sin. Like Simon, we're no longer lepers. We have been cleansed. Listen, you are no longer so-so the abortionist or so-so the adulterer or so-so the drug addict or so-so the drunk or whatever it might be. Your past is no longer defining you, so stop letting it. Listen, take upon the fragrance of victory which is the fragrance of Christ. 
and stand firm in that this morning. Whatever sin you were saved out of, addiction, blasphemy, anger, lust, greed, probably all of that to some degree, you've been set free. It doesn't define you. What defines you is the Savior of the world. Your identity is in Him. That's why you can come freely before the Lord because when He sees you, He says, oh, there's my son and I love my son. I love him so much. So you can come freely because your identity is in Christ now and your fragrance is pleasing to the Lord. So let your past go this morning. Some of you let your past beat you up over and over again and you're not usable because you're too focused on the rearview mirror and, the, and what's happened 10, 15 years ago that you can't allow God to redeem you from that so that you can move forward and, and actually be usable. And so it's not anything really you're even doing today that's hindering you. It's, it's your focus, actually. It's that the fact that you're, 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 you've chained yourself to the past. And Lord said, I broke those chains. You don't have to stay there. I've moved you on, so move on. This morning, let that be the declaration to the Lord. God, I'm, you've broken the chains for me, and for some reason I find comfort in this prison, but that's not where you want me. You want to move me out of the prison into a place of being usable for you. And so this morning, you know, as we end in our service, you can come forward and you can lay that thing down before the Lord, as Dan was talking about earlier. Because the fragrance of sacrifice is able to dispel the fragrance of sin. Secondly, we see the fragrance of sacrifice is sweeter than the fragrance of works. Check this out. Notice with me in verse 7, a woman came up to him with an alabaster flask of very expensive ointment, and she poured it on his head as he reclined at the table. Now, I'm paralleling with John chapter 12 and Matthew chapter 26, so if you want to put your finger in your Bible in John chapter 12 too, you can do that. But in John chapter 12, verse 1, it tells us who the woman is. We don't have to figure it out. It says the woman is Mary. This is not Mary Magdalene, but Mary, the sister of of Lazarus and Martha. Now, she's mentioned three times in the Bible. She's mentioned three times, one here and two other places, and do you know every time she's mentioned in the Bible, positionally where she's found? At the feet of Jesus. She is found positionally at the feet of Jesus. She is a person who understands worship. She understands where her place in this world is. Every, you know, People are trying to find their place in the world. I hope you know that the place in the world for you is at the feet of Jesus Christ. That is the place that you're called to live. This is a place that Mary lived. She lived at the feet of Jesus. She drew near to Jesus in humility and reverence. She was a worshiper that gave Jesus her full heart and attention always. And not only that, but here she gave Jesus the best that she had. She gave Jesus the most expensive thing that she had. She gave him this ointment, this, 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 this perfume made of nard, which is very expensive. It was worth probably, according to John's gospel there in the 12th chapter, about 300 denarii, which is almost a year's wages for a person that day. The average income for a person in Tennessee today is $50,000 a year. And so, you know, what, what we're saying here is that that would be the equivalent of someone walking in here with a $50,000 bottle of perfume that would be sealed, and the only way that you could use it is to break it open, and then you've then then got to use it. 
So they would walk in here and they would bust it open and they would just leave the aroma, just fill this room. What would you think as a disciple of Christ? What would you think? Maybe you might think like they thought. Here's the deal. Mary was a worshiper of God. There was nothing too good for Jesus. What she brought to the table, probably, my guess is, that she felt like was not even enough for him. Like, yes, this is valuable, but it's not enough for Jesus, but it's all that I have to give. And so I'll give freely to him. And I will anoint him. It says that here in, in Matthew chapter 26 that she poured it out on his head, that she anointed his head. And then also John adds in verse 3 of chapter 12 that she also anointed his feet and then she would wipe his feet with her hair. Do you know that it was, in, in fact, if these guys were going to get indignant about anything, it ought to be the fact that she let her hair down in public and that she was wiping Jesus' feet with her hair because that was improper. But sometimes when you worship Jesus, you do uh, you know, what's called politically incorrect things, right? You worship Jesus and you don't worry about what everybody else thinks. And that's what she was doing, man. This lady was not playing church. She was worshiping Jesus and she was characterized by this, this, this finding herself at the feet of Jesus constantly. She was characterized by this. She was a worshiper and she understood sacrifice. She understood that worship is sacrifice. For some you have to sacrifice a relationship to worship Jesus. For some, you have to sacrifice your income to worship Jesus. Everyone here today has sacrificed something to be here. But, and we all get this because we understand this, that whatever it is that we've sacrificed is not even, not even worthy of comparison to the person that we sacrificed for, right? I mean, when you think of God in human flesh, that you're saying, man, I've sacrificed to be here today, Jesus, like, He's like, you know, hashtag no big deal. I was crucified on the cross, you know. That's, uh, that's a little bit bigger. So whatever it is, and it will cost you something to worship Jesus, whatever that cost is is not even comparable to the cost that he paid for you or even comparable to the worth of who he is. The fragrance of sacrifice, man, it's sweet. It's sweeter than the fragrance of works. Well, what do I mean? Well, you know, Mary and her sister Martha are like direct opposites. And it's interesting that in John's gospel, we find the same characteristics with her sister. In, Mar in, in John chapter 12, verse 2, it says, Martha served. Martha served. Well, if you know anything about these sisters, there was a dialogue that had taken place uh, before this where Mary was sitting at the feet of Jesus and Martha was busy about her business trying to get dinner ready so that she had served Jesus because she's all about serving. And she was busy with her hands, you know, trying to make preparations and then Jesus, it says, and then Jesus, she got upset with Mary. She's like, man, Jesus, tell her to get up and help me. And listen to what Jesus said to her in Luke chapter 10, verses 41 through 42. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but the one thing is necessary. 
Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. The one thing is necessary. That's like an emphatic, you know, continual uh, thing that, that should happen, that should be the one thing in our lives that we do, is that we sit at the feet of Jesus always. Because it's better than any work you could do in your hands. And what do I mean by that? Not that we don't work. Because we're called to work. James, again, says, show me your faith, I'll show you my works. The point of it is this, is that it's, it's, it's by you sitting at the feet of Jesus that you, that you find the proper attitude, the heart, you find the proper perspective to be able and to do the works in the right way. Martha was just a server. She just served. And sometimes we, as the body of Christ, just start serving. We just, that's just our nature. We want to do stuff. And you just find yourselves, well, here, let me help you with that. Oh, well, oh, I'm a server, so let me serve you here and there. Yes, we're servants, but we're worshipers first. And worship is better because it prepares our heart for service to him. And so Martha, I think her hands were busy, but I wonder if they were so busy that she never really ever entered into true worship with the Lord. Like in an intimate relationship with the Lord where she was on her knees saying, you know, receiving from the Lord because she was so busy doing stuff for him. And I can tell you, uh, being in ministry, that's exactly what can happen. You can get so busy doing stuff for Jesus and they're good things and you're serving the Lord and you've, you know, your little legs are going, you know, you're like, Lord, look at me, I'm doing all this stuff. But all of a sudden there's that personal relationship begins to slack. Listen, we're called to be worshipers first. Don't ever, ever depart from the feet of Jesus to do the service of Jesus because you'll never do it right. You could never do it right. You've got, it's out of the overflow of your personal relationship that, with Christ that your ability to serve comes. So be careful about keeping yourself too busy. My wife and I were just talking about this a couple days ago. We were like, man, we're so busy. We're just busy, busy, busy. And so we're going through this process in our home where we're saying, what is it that you want us to do, Lord? Because we'll cut out the things that we're just doing that aren't of you. And there are things, I'm sure, in our lives that are not of the Lord. But they're good things that we've found ourselves, you know, attached our wagons to and we're doing. But we want to make sure that they're things that the Lord has called us to. Because they can detract us. And not that, you know, m my personal relationship with the Lord is going great. And I read my Bible every day and all of that stuff. But what I'm saying is I get so busy that I have a dad on hospice that sometimes I don't spend enough time with. You know what I mean? Because I'm too busy with everything else. And so, you know, we have to pray to the Lord as we're sitting at his feet and asking him, Lord, what is it that we can do? What is it that you would desire for us to do? We can get so focused on serving that we forget the fragrance of sacrifice is better than the fragrance of works. And Mary had it nailed, man. She understood that. She was a worshiper first, not a servant, but a worshiper first. And that's how it should be. We should worship him first because of our personal relationship with the Lord. We serve him. Next, we look at verse 8. It's this, the, the fragrance of sacrifice is greater than the fragrance of benevolence. Look at verse 8 there. And when the disciples saw it, they were indignant, saying, Why this waste? For this could have been solid, uh, sold for a large sum of money and given to the poor. 
It's always a wonderful thing to have the, the disciples of Jesus calling your sacrifice a waste. Isn't it? Isn't that great? Lord, here's everything that I have. Just giving it to you sacrificially. What a waste. Thank you. And then all of a sudden you're, you're questioning that. Like, was it? I don't know. Did I? Maybe it was. Maybe I should have done something. Well, yeah, the poor are here. And may, Listen, you're not here to please everybody else. You're here to please Jesus Christ. And when the Lord lays something on your heart to do, you know, sacrificially for him, it doesn't have to make sense to anybody else, does it? It doesn't have to make a lick of sense to anybody else because it makes sense to you. And as the Spirit leads you to do that, you do it. Jesus called what Mary did here a beautiful thing. It was her sacrifice to him. And that's beautiful to the Lord. When you sacrifice to the Lord, it's beautiful to Him. He loves those things. And yet, so oftentimes, we can be judged by other people. Mary, what she did here was from a true heart of worship. And yet, there were people there present that never, ever really came to that place of having that true heart of worship themselves. Particularly, the son of perdition, Judas. You know, it says here in Matthew's gospel that the, the, the disciples were indignant. But if you look at John's gospel in verses 4 through 6, it says, But Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, he was about to, who was about to betray him, said, Why was this ointment not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? He said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief and having charge of the money bag, he used to help himself to what it what was put in, into him, into it. So he was stealing from the Lord. Here's a guy that doesn't have a relationship with Christ, but is present amongst the disciples that stirs up this indignancy in front of people because we can do that with each other. You realize that. Uh, well, are you sure that was really of the Lord? Well, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, maybe. And then all of a sudden you sway everybody that way. Judas was the one that started this. He's not even, a, he's not even walking with Christ. And yet, He's so indignant about this idea of this perfume being poured out on the Savior of the world rather than being put in the money bags, into the money bags that he controls so that he could use them for what it is that he wants them to be used for. You know, he's called the son of perdition. That, that, that word perdition means destruction, which also, by the way, means the son of waste. Who's the wasteful one here? Uh, Mary, who offers a, a, out of true, genuine sacrifice to the Lord, the true worship, this expensive perfume, or is it actually Judas, who is not even a believer? Of course, we know the answer to that. Listen, even brothers and sisters can fall into this trap of being indignant about things that they have no understanding about, about being ridiculing the, the people in the church for things that they're doing, and they have no idea what the sacrifice is all about. When we were doing this build-out, actually, um, this exact thing happened. Exactly. Well, why don't you take all this money that we're going to spend on this and give it to the poor? Uh, because Jesus didn't tell us to, number one. But here's the deal. Is he not worth it? Because this isn't for us. This is for him. This is his house. 
And, and when I look back in the Old Testament, and I see the kind of, uh, you know, even the, in the tabernacle, the, the gold that was laid in all of the, 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 the fixtures, everything was lined with gold, which is asphalt in heaven, by the way, but it's one of those valuable things that we have here. And so we look at the value of it and we say, God, nothing is too good for you. And so when you present that to the Lord, and you say, here's the sacrifice, God. And then you have brothers and sisters that come alongside and say, well, shouldn't we just take that and give it to the poor? There's a place for that, yes. But there's also a place for personal sacrifice to the Lord. And, you know, you do that in obedience to the Lord. It's what he wants. These guys were upset, and yet Mary did what was the one thing that was required, true worship. That's what she did. She gave it to the Lord. The fragrance of sacrifice is greater than the fragrance of benevolence. Jesus said, the poor you'll always have with you. And, and by the way, just because you take and give to the poor, that you might be able to feed people for a day or two, but does that transform their life? Benevolence is, is, is something we're all called to, but we have to be wise in our benevolence with people because our benevolence should always be attached with the gospel, always. We don't, we don't just put clean water somewhere to just put clean water somewhere. We need to put clean water somewhere so that the living water can come live inside people. We don't just take food to people because they're hungry and they need to eat. We take food to people so that they can um, eat that food and, and then they can be filled with the gospel so that they can eat upon the bread of life, which is Jesus Christ. That's what we do as a church. We're not just a nonprofit organization, a benevolence um, organization that just is here to help people. We're here to help people or temporarily. We're here to help people eternally. And so the focus always has to be the gospel. And that's what I love about far-reaching ministries. You know, they, one of the guy, ministries we support in the Sedan is they have groves of kids that come into this sanctuary that they have built. This, you know, they have, they're being pursued every day by uh, renegades that want to kill them and shoot at them, and they, they kill their parents, and they make, they make them, the children, kill their own parents and then serve in this army, and it's just terrible. But they say, hey, you know, there, it's impossible for us to feed these, these children every day long term. What we can do is open our doors up, bring them in and give them a meal and then share the gospel with them because they're all going to die one day. And we want to give them something that's going to be eternal. And so when you're supporting ministries like that, again, you pray about it, you let the Lord lead you, but you know, when I support things, I look at it from that standpoint. I want the gospel to be attached to whatever it is that I'm doing. I want the, the word of God to be going forth in that. Uh, look at verse 12 there. The fragrance of sacrifice will result in the fragrance of exaltation. In pouring this ointment on my body, Jesus continues to explain, uh, she has done it to prepare me for burial. Truly I say to you, wherever this gospel is proclaimed in the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. And Jesus now tells these guys the importance of the sacrifice that Mary made here. It was for the preparation of his burial. I bet you could hear a pin drop after he said that. Hey, what a waste. I can't believe she did this. And there's just this big uproar. And then all of a sudden, guys, guys, hold on a second. She did this for my burial. And then all of a sudden, it's just like a 
solemn silence. Burial? He's got to be talking like figuratively. He can't be talking because we know that we're going to Jerusalem to set up the kingdom, right? Well, yeah, everybody knows that. Well, okay, that's what they think. They're not listening to the Lord. And that happens to us all the time, guys. We're, 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 he, you know, he says things to us and we just go right past it because we don't want to hear what he's saying. And he kept telling them, I'm going to go to Jerusalem, I'm going to be crucified, I'm going to be buried, I'm going to rise again from the dead. But they didn't hear any of that. What they heard is, we're going to Jerusalem and we're going to be set up the kingdom and we're going to do all of this. They, they completely blocked the word of God. And some of us do that when we're not hearing what we want to hear. It's only what we want to hear that we listen to. And then sometimes we even make it say what it, do, what it doesn't say so that we can feel good about what we're doing. It's the word of God that we have to let speak into our lives. Not our desire. Not what we desire. We have to allow the word of God to speak. And when Jesus tells you something, uh, you know, and you start to have to figure out, well, is that figurative or not? Don't just blow past it because you don't like it. That is something that you need to take to prayer, maybe even meet with the elders about. If it's something that you're like, I don't understand what the Lord's saying, but this is, this is what's going on in my life, and you know, this is what's, what he said. I don't understand that. Well, you know, we can pray with you. We can, we can help you, and, and as the Lord would lead us to do that. But here's the thing is, don't just blow past it and go like, oh, whatever, because Jesus said this multiple times already, and they're still not getting it, but there's one that got it. And the one that got it was Mary. You know, people think that this is just a coincidence that Mary just came in breaking this bottle and, and anointing the, the living body of Christ because what would happen culturally in, in, this, in this time period is when a body, when people would die, they would go anoint the body and then the anointing of the body, obviously the, the, the practical side of it is to keep the stink from the body, but uh, the, 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 the whole idea of anointing the body was to show your love for that person, that you would just pour, you know, valuable spice and all on their bodies and you would, you would anoint their body because you love them so much. Mary's not even waiting till Jesus is dead. She's like, I'm going to, I'm going to, Jesus, I want to see you eyeball to eyeball and I want you to know how much I love you and here's my sacrifice to you and she breaks it and she anoints his body for his burial and many people say like, well, of course she doesn't know what she's doing. I think she knows what she's doing. I think she understands by the Spirit of the Lord what she's doing because she's a worshiper. And listen to this. If you don't get anything else today, hear this, that it's at the feet of Jesus that you can hear other things that nobody else can hear. And so if you spend more time at the feet of Jesus, you're going to find yourself saying things and doing things that maybe the, the, the mass majority of people aren't getting because they're not doing that. But that doesn't mean it's wrong. Mary spent her life at the feet of Jesus is what I see in here. And if we spend our lives at the feet of Jesus, we're going to see things that, that other people aren't seeing. We're going to hear things that other people aren't hearing. The Lord wants to speak to us, but we have to let him speak. We have to silence ourselves at times and just allow him to speak into our lives. And oftentimes we're running 100 miles an hour and we're saying, what, Lord? I can't hear you, Lord. I can't hear you, but you got to keep up because I'm going. And he's saying, can you just stop for a second and sit at my feet? Because you're serving, and in your serving you think you're worshiping, but it would be better if you would just sit at my feet and worship me there for a little bit. 
what we find here is that Mary, when she, when she does this, when she anoints the, the, the body of Christ, that the sacrifice that she brings brings this, 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 this exaltation that only she gets. No one's going to be saying, Jesus didn't say that about me and my life in here, that every time the gospel is preached, they're going to think about what she did or your life or anybody else's life. But there is something like that in your life that the Lord can do in your life if you'll sit at his feet enough and you'll worship him in that way. Because the Bible tells us that when we humble ourselves, the Lord will exalt us. And Mary, in humility, continually came to the feet of Jesus. And here we find uh, just an incredible blessing upon her life because she was a worshiper. Because she sat at the feet of Jesus. She was exalted. And the Lord gave her this um, this, you know, reward for being obedient to him. The fragrance of sacrifice. It's an aroma that is pleasing to, to God. It dispels the fragrance of sin. It's sweeter than the fragrance of works. It's greater than the fragrance of benevolence. It will result in the fragrance of exaltation. So here's the thing is you have the opportunity today to sacrifice. Whatever it is that the Lord would put on your heart to sacrifice. You have an opportunity from this day forward to live at the feet of Jesus and to sit at his feet and say, Lord, I'm not going to depart from your feet. I'm not going to lift my finger until I hear your voice clearly on exactly what it is that you want me to do. Because I don't want to just serve to serve. I want to just love you and I want to worship you the way that you want to be worshipped. Amen? Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you, God for speaking into our lives, Lord, for helping us understand the beauty of the fragrance of Christ that clothes us, Lord, and that is upon us even now as we walk into this world, that we smell like Jesus to God and also to those around us. Father, we pray that you would help us to be reminded this morning to just live at your feet, to listen closely to your voice. To not go about our own business, but to be about your business. Your will be done in our life, Lord. And we pray, God, that as you move us, that we sacrifice freely to you, Lord. There is nothing on this earth that's comparable to you. There is nothing that we could give that is so valuable that we would call it waste. But Lord, let our lives declare that. And may the things that we uh, put at your feet, Lord, declare the value that we find in Christ. We love you, God. We thank you for this time together. And we pray you just move by your spirit now. You help us to just sac sacrifice freely as we come and worship you in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs> Thanks for listening. You can hear more of Pastor Tim's studies through the Word of God on our website, www.calvaryofcolumbia.org. Thanks again for listening, and we hope you'll join us again as we continue to study God's Word.